and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks again for listening in, and may the Lord bless this podcast greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and benefit. We hope that you'll enjoy today's episode. Well, today we are back uh, for part two of this little mini-series about God's will for our lives, and I'm joined again by Jason Rowland and Philip Castleton. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Duffy. We're in the middle of recording. Yeah, we were. Uh, you're listening to this this week. We're recording this um, this past week, and so we're we're ready to continue our conversation, right? Um, so last week we talked uh, kind of in general categories about uh, where do we go to discern God's will, and we answered that. Well, we'll point you back to our previous episode for that conversation. But today we want to get a little bit more practical and ask and discuss this question. So now how do we discern God's will? What do we do now that we have that general category to think in? What do we do now? Jason, we want to start it off, uh, I believe in first Peter or second Peter. Um, and, and that'll get our conversation going. Today. Right. So to, to summarize the previous episode, which will be from last week, we said that we uh, go to God's Word, use God's Word as the grid by which we determine God's will. That's exactly right. So now, let's talk about how then do we use God's Word. And so, I I go to 2 Peter that you referenced just a moment ago, and read out of chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice, voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but by men spoke from but men rather spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I follow that up from Hebrews chapter 1, where it says that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, through whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so my point being that the scripture becomes for us the the reliability and um, authority and sufficiency for us to determine 
the word of God, uh, rather the, the will of God for our lives, That's because right. that becomes the grid. Um, we could think of other texts that we could go to uh, in which the Bible gives affirmation and creditation to itself about its sufficiency and its reliability and its authority. So in general, when we think about waking up every morning and when you think about the new day, serious Christians, at least I think sincere Christians, think, okay, what does God want me to do today? And how might God use me today? What kind of decisions are going to be before me today? And typically what we said in the previous past uh, podcast or episode was that um, we use subjective means to do that. And what we are saying is, let's just go to the Word of God and if you have studied the Word of God, you've learned to apply it, you've learned to understand it in its context when you read a text, uh, you've understand um, what God is saying to the original audience, you've, you've studied, you've sought out the Word of God and understanding and applying that because what wisdom is, is obedience to the Word of God, then you're going to know what God's will is for your life. That's right. That's right. And when you ask that question, well, what does God want me to do today? We can start at a very, very simple and basic uh, beginning point, And that is, how do I love God well today? And how do I love others well today? And that's what Jesus said that sums up the entire law. And that's a great place to begin. Um, I know Philip is queued up here. Um, I'll, let him, I'll let him follow on the tail of what Jason just said. But that's just a great place, I think, to start generally. So what do we do now? Well, We've been given this, uh, Jesus says that the whole, uh, you can summarize all of what God has told us to do or expects of us is to love him first and then love others um, uh, just like we would love ourselves. Philip, what you got for us? Well, in all of it, I mean, the scripture actually says, there are places in the scripture it says, this is God's will. Yes. Right? Yes. We have... Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we have lists in both of those places. Mm-hmm. 1 Peter 2 talks about perseverance and faith being God's will. But here's one in Hebrews 10 that may be overlooked. Hebrews 10, 36 says this, For, we, for you ha- have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is the promise, or what is promised. Okay. When you have done the will of God. Well, believe it or not, there's, it tells us what that is beginning back in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter holy places by blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. There's first of all. Let us go to Christ. Let us enter through the veil that was opened, the new and better way that was opened by our high priest through the veil of his flesh. We have access to God. First of all, go to God. And There's so, God's will. That's right. And so what you're saying, Philip, is that for every person, God's, God's um, um, will would be that they seek him to come to salvation. 
Well, I would I, I would argue that he's talking to, be, this to, is to potential believers, believers here. Yeah. He's saying that we go with full assurance, right, to this one because of what because of the way that's been made for us in Christ. So I believe he's talking to Christians. I don't know that this is a statement about I, I understand being what you're saved. Saying, yeah. That's a bad way for me to say it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point is that that salvation is then the will of God. Yes, our salvation, right, is the will of God, and us going and and living our lives in light of the sacrificial work and the the mediatorial work of Christ is God's will for us to go boldly to the throne because we've been made clean, because there is a new and living way made through the veil of his flesh. It, It goes on. Let us draw near with true heart and full assurance. It says, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, right? There's a second thing that is his will for us, for us to hold fast our confession. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's his will for us. Not neglecting to meet together. It is his will that we meet together, that we go to church, right? Um, if, I, if I could just interject, this uh, four or five verses applies love God and love people. Yes. Right here. Right. Um, within the context of the body of Christ, specifically though in Hebrews, t- uh, in this chapter, right? Verse twenty-six. Yeah, go ahead. Quit sinning. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. That oh, that too. Yeah. Verse twenty-six. <laughs> um, because there's a, if if you do if you remain sinning, knowing all of this, you should expect judgment. Right. This is what he says in twenty-seven. That's right. Um, how, how much more punishment do you go on? He goes on. Uh, I'll give God room for judgment. That is His will for you. Not so, for you not to act out in vengeance, yeah. but let God work out vengeance, right? Um, so, Philip, what what happens if someone says, um, okay, quit sinning, so how do I know what's sin? Well, then we'll point them back to the Word, the right? Law, the law tells us what that's is right, sin. That's right, that's right. God's given us that. But yeah, but he goes on, you know, and on and on and on, he, you know, and then ultimately says, therefore, don't throw away your confidence, right? You have confidence. Why? Because of this new and, and better way, this this sacrifice that's been made with the better high priest and so forth. He, this is what he's talking about. And it has great reward. When you have endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive the promises, right? So this is God's will for you to 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 find, if you will, that that opening that God has made or that, that the Son of God has made to God himself, go there live in light of that, and that means abandon sin and do what is right. Okay, so salvation then becomes uh, the definite will for the believer in God's uh, will for him or her. And look at this. This is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Mm-hmm. And do not get drunk with wine, for there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So my next uh, thought, and, and really this comes from a book that John MacArthur wrote, Uh, many years ago. It's been out for a long time. It's called Found God's Will. And the first thing he says in that book is salvation. The second thing he says is to be spirit-filled. Yeah. Yeah. To be spirit-filled. And this is the will of God for you. Yeah. And and in the same chapter, Ephesians 5, the very first thing in chapter 5, Paul writes to the church, therefore, and you could even go prior to that, 
um, he's making this argument, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So we have the same theme as we have in Hebrews 10. Mm -hmm. We have this connection between the will of God, our salvation, and the mediatorial work of Christ in the believers. That's where we begin. Yeah. Um, And I believe you guys would agree that that excludes a lot once we get those things in place, right? Right. That would exclude a lot of options that we would have in our minds. And it may be that that, that as people think about this, they're thinking, well, I know know it was God's will that I be saved, and I know it was God's will that I I not sin, but but I need something more practical. Mm -hmm. We even have uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 are very, very practical. Let's go there. Uh, Well, do you want to read it, Jason? You want me to? Uh, Well, beginning there in verse. Uh, three. three of chapter four, it's very clear for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Yeah. And then it continues with the, along the same line that each one of you know how to control his own body and holiness yeah. and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger of all these things. Um, and he continues on and, and talks about how that we are to have brotherly love uh-huh. for one another. No need for anyone to write to you that you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Um, it, it continues on with the same idea of um, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands, mm-hmm. um, that you would walk properly before outsiders and to be t- be dependent on no one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, um, we could spend an hour talking about all of these things and how these inform us about how God desires that we live our lives. And Philip, I believe you've got another passage well, pulled up here as well. One chapter later in chapter five, again, immensely practical, uh, beginning in verse 12, look what it says. We ask brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Okay. First of all, he's saying, um, you need to give, and I mean, this isn't aimed at me or Jason or whatever, but the fact is, is love your elders, respect them, honor them, subject yourself to them, right? This is God's will for your life. This is what he's talking about here, right? Then he goes on um, to, uh, to be at peace, verse 13, esteem very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, verse 14, admonish the idle, right? And, and we shouldn't, uh, this welfare system that we that we champion so much in our society is ultimately a sinful uh, uh, position. It's a sinful thing. We should not champion those who do not want to work. The Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. We should be admonishing the idle. Get out there and get to work, right? Just as you just read in chapter four, we should be telling people, it's God's will that you work with your hands, that you have a job, that you do that. We, um, um, our, our industry, the thing that we do with our hands is, is a God glorifying thing. It's, it's not, it, it is not, work is not the result of the fall. Sweat and difficulty in work is the result of the fall. Vanity. And, and we need to be clear of that. Um, encourage the faint-hearted, right? Verse 14. Verses 16 through 18. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks, right? Yep. So how much more practical can you well, get? Well, and he writes that that's the will of God. Verse 18. Yeah. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. I'm in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's why I read that whole list, yeah, because I mean, you go all the way back to the beginning. All of those are yeah, God's will yes. for you. So, yeah. so listener today, if you're, if you're, if you thought these thoughts, if you've been curious, if you've been searching, I mean, start here. God has given us so much. And this is just a, 
a brief. There, there are there are so many other texts we could go to. We could go to Romans, I believe, uh, fourteen or twelve. I can't think of it right off the hand. Where he describes how a uh, a godly believer ought to live and and, and act toward their fellow man and within the body of Christ. I mean, it's an exhaustive list. It covers probably 15 verses. Um, and there are many other places. The fruits of the Spirit we should be striving for, and we should yeah. be so. And you gave us good categories to function in early when you said love God, love each other. Those are those are really good categories. Everything yeah. that we've listed here so far falls in, in one of those two categories. Yeah. So w- there are specifics in those categories like we've just read. Sure. Outside of those two or beyond the specifics, many of the things that that we do that we, we seem to want direction in, we're not given any specific direction yeah. in. In yeah. fact, we're given... An, um, the only instruction we're given is whatever direction we take, we're to do it um, with honor, right? Um, with conviction, we're to do it in faith. And we could even go to the, the Christian liberty text and talk about these sort of things, right? Is it God's will that I eat meat or not, right? Should I be a vegetarian? Should I be a meat eater? Who cares? But whatever one you choose, do it with conviction and do it to the glory of God. So you see how much room we have, right? The, the, the constraint here is not don't eat meat. The constraint is only eat vegetables. The constraint is honor, um, celebrate Christmas. Don't celebrate Easter, right? One person holds one day above another. Another one says they're all the same, right? Whichever one you do, do it. Do it with conviction. Do it to the glory and honor of God. That's the constraint. That's God's will upon our life. Is it celebrate Christmas or don't? No. Is it whichever one you do, you do it with conviction and to God's glory? The yeah. answer is yes. And so we have this Christian liberty, um, air, this this category, which gives us so much room in which to function in life. Do I marry Betty? Do I marry Susan? We've talked about this already, right? In this kind of thing. The answer is yes, but you marry one of them and and you marry a godly one, right? If they're both godly, they're both women, then young man, which one will have you, right? I I mean, but whichever one you have, whichever one you're with, love her, honor her, Treat her exactly the way the scripture tells you to treat her, giving yourself for her, and you are in God's will. And that's the that's the point. We have so much liberty in so many of these places, and yet what we seek for is specifics, which God doesn't give us. That's right. That's right. And so this becomes then the necessary grid to see how to live life as a believer. And what we want is something more. We're not satisfied with the, what Scripture has said to us. We want yeah. something more. We want. Let's to press it. into that for a moment. Let this. We're unsatisfied with what God has already given us. Right. So we we think that we need something more specific, mm. um, and so we want some feeling. We want a sign that would confirm what we're thinking. And and whether it's Susan or whether it's Betty to marry, we we want to know particularly. Which one to marry? Right. And I've always said this, and, and Stacy has heard me say this, and and I think that this is true. Um, I um, there for a while I was single, and uh, Stacy was one of many women um, that I could have had a relationship with, honestly. And and that's not because I was a ladies' man or you know something silly. I mean, I'm just saying there was a lot of women. Yeah. They were in the category of being single, um, 
and an unmarried that and it, Christian and Christian potential yes. spouses. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And I, and and Stacy's heard me to say this. I've married Stacy, and I'm happy and couldn't be um, any more in the will of God. Right. Yeah. But I could have married somebody else and been just as happy. Because God has given me the parameters in his word, and then by trying to apply those parameters, Mm -hmm. then I make that decision. I didn't have to fret and wring my hands and worry and try to put out fleeces, if you will, um, and hear God in a small whisper on the mountaintop. Um, yeah, and I think I think that the the thought that most often will will occur is if I don't do this, yes, then my life is ruined. I've made the grave error of I didn't do what God wanted me to do, and mm. therefore now I'm going to be, you know. And here's the dilemma because the problem is God hasn't told you to marry Stacy. God told you whoever you marry to honor her. That's right. Give yourself up for her, right. to love her like Christ loved the church, right? right. To treat her um, with accommodation, yes. right? Because she's the weaker. I mean, this is what this is yeah. God's will for your life in marriage. Yes. Right? Not that it be Stacy or, or or some other woman, right? right? The fact is is God says, "Marry her, love her, honor her." cherish her. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6, I mean, Ephesians, when it's talking about this, doesn't say, and here's who it is you marry. It says, when you're married, here's how you act. That's right. right. And that's what we need to recognize. The Bible says, here's the parameters in which which govern marriage. Go find your wife, live within these parameters. Right. And here's here's what happens, is you cloud your decision-making by not being obedient to the Scripture first in the first place because, remember, this is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you would not engage in any sex outside of marriage. No sexual immorality, as we read there in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. So we cloud then our thinking, and love becomes lust, and it begins to get uh, all twisted. And so then we're thinking, well, is this the right one? Should I marry her? Should I not? Um, and we have disobeyed what God has revealed. We Part of the reason is, is because what the Bible says is, this is God's will, your sanctification. And what culture has told us, this is God's will, your happiness. Yes. And we have misunderstood and part of that's due to this whole um, endeavor, um, you know, with uh, th- this grand experiment we call America, right, that we have the right to pursue happiness. But the fact is, is biblically, we have only the right to pursue holiness, and holiness and sanctification are the same thing. And it's God's will that you're sanctified, that you pursue holiness. And so whatever way, position you find yourself, you're to be obedient within the parameters of that situation. And and happiness is ultimately not even on the spectrum. That is ultimately found, hap, true happiness, joy, is actually found not in the circumstances we find ourselves in, but in the way we respond to those in obedience. Yeah, so let me ask you this, guys. Um, speaking of this, taking this a step further, what would you say to the person who comes back and says, but God, doesn't doesn't God want me to be happy? Does, isn't that his will for my life is to be happy? No. I know I've heard... Philip says no. Jason, would you have? Would you differ from? Well, I, I would say <laughs> I would agree with Philip. <laughs> I would say just strive to be holy, and you'll be happy. Yeah, and I want man. One thing that popped into my mind when Philip was just speaking is that the believer 
should not be pursuing personal happiness. Our happiness comes from our contentment in the Lord in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Right. And, and, and you know, happiness is subjective. It's fleeting. Because it's based on circumstances. Because here's yes. another thing that we need to... The word happy comes from the word hap, which means by chance. Right. Happistance. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we forget that. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so we've talked about salvation. We've talked about spirit fill. We've talked about sanctification. Mm-hmm. But the other word... Is suffering. That's Wait, the will no, of God for your hey, life. We can't go there. Okay. Yeah. So suffering then doesn't always bring happiness. <laughs> oh. Well, an amazing thing is, oh, is that it actually says in First Peter chapter or three and four, yeah. I believe, both chapters speak yep. to this. You're going to suffer. And when you do, it, it is you're suffering because God willed you to do so, right? And, and so, yes, yeah, suffering, because it brings sanctification, is God's will for your life. So this is why, and are we supposed to be happy in suffering? No. Are we supposed to have joy in suffering? Yes. yes. Not the same thing. That That's why I, that word happy is, is an inappropriate term when in considering all of this ultimately, right? Are we supposed to be joyous in it? Yes. Am I supposed to like it? No. Not necessarily. I mean, if my if if part of uh, what God uses in the process of sanctifying me is a death of a loved one, I'm not supposed to be happy about it. Death is the result of sin, and I should be. I, it should hurt, right? That I lose. Nevertheless, I can't lose sight of the fact that in that God is working good in me and for His glory and my good. Right? Yeah. So yeah. that's the thing. That's good. Uh, let's just hear the word. First uh, Peter chapter four, um, about six or eight verses here. Uh, this is j- Peter lays it all out there. I mean, this is as clear. You want clear, uh, listener? Yes, this I is do. as clear as you can get. <laughs> beloved, starting in First uh, Peter four verse twelve. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ and you're you are blessed because the spirit of glory of and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And he closes his argument with, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So not only are we supposed to acknowledge our suffering, um, for the cause of Christ, we're not going to talk about sinful um, suffering that we bring upon ourselves by disobeying God and by just sinning arbitrarily for our own good. This is suffering for the cause of Christ. Not only are we supposed to rejoice in this, but we are to for, we are conti- to continue to obey and pursue doing good in the midst of our suffering. So we should not sin by being idle and being self-deprecating or. Uh, I mean, this is a whole, this is kind of a little rabbit trail here, but God's will for us for the cause of Christ is to suffer in the midst of the godless world, right? Right. What's really interesting about that last phrase there, and I don't think the ESV does it justice, here's why. It actually says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator by doing 
good, mm. not while. The, 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 the fact of the matter is we prove the fact that we believe him and we trust him to work out our good by con- the continuation of our good acts in light of suffering. And that's how we prove that we trust in, in, in light of the suffering. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just while doing good, but by doing good, we prove that. And so that being said, um, you're absolutely right. It is sometimes God's will that we suffer, um, and, and uh, we can't uh, disregard that. Let's throw one more category in there. Sure. We've got salvation, spirit-filled, sanctification, suffering, and submission. Mm-hmm. Mm where believers are to submit to the government authorities, mm-hmm. uh, wives to husbands, children to parents. Chapter two. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've yeah. got... Uh, Romans the, 13. We, yes, we've got the... Um, the Ephesians 5. Uh, I'm just thinking of, of the biblical references, the ones you're... Yes, sorry. Yes. Well, in 1 yeah. Peter 2, you have... So 1 Peter 2. You, you, have yeah. the, you have the Lord, uh, you have the, the every human institution, yes. right? Yes. Ultimately, yes. in verse 18, servants to masters, yep. right? Yep. And then... Um, Chapter 3. Yeah, you go on yep. wives to husbands, yep. and then uh, children to parents. Yep. And um, so, yeah, it's... it's uh, Public sphere, the, yeah. the personal sphere, or the uh, private public, whatever, you know, whatever categories you're thinking in. And you've so. got those who are being led by uh, church leaders mm-hmm. yep. to yep. their leadership. Yep. Um, so submission then would be another category in which you're being obedient. And I said this earlier, and it's, and I think I can say it again, wisdom as the scripture teaches to be wise, particularly the book of Proverbs. Yes. Um, wisdom then is being obedient to scripture. That's wisdom. And then, you know, we did a sermon series on uh, the book of Proverbs last year. And the thing that you, you come away from Proverbs is how does anyone do all that is written here in the book of Proverbs? Because no man can do it. I mean, all, all the things that are said about marriage, about sexuality, about relationships, about holding your tongue, no man can do all these things. So in all, it's almost a, a despair to come away from Proverbs, you know, thinking, I'm not wise, I can't do these things. But we did have someone who did do it for us. And that points us directly to Jesus. Um, uh, I love what you brought up Proverbs. Well, James is kind of the New Testament book of Proverbs for us in a sense with wisdom. And, and James writes to the church, know this in chapter one of James, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted, here we are again, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So this theme is just all throughout scripture. Um, the word is sufficient for us to live our lives. Whether we want to know, should we do this or should we not do this? Right. Right. So here's the, here's how we can sum it all up. Um, do I live in Emory, Texas, or do I live in Cumbie? Yes. What do I want to do? What do I want to do? Now, uh, I'm not being subjective. Yes. I am trying to honor God. I'm being obedient to what I know from Scripture, my study, my memorization, um, my interpretation, my proper interpretation and application. 
Go live in Cumbie, go live in Emory, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Or um, who should I marry? Yeah. Choose one. Yeah. Once you once you've already gone through the criteria we've we've laid out, not not us, not it's it's in the word, right? Right. Once you've gone through that criteria and you're posed with say three options, what about work? What about uh, staying locally to where you already live or taking a job offer in another city and moving your family? Well, both of those might be fine uh, within the parameters of what what Scripture has for you. Because it's it's It's, given us. Definite there, principles. There, there's principles to operate by, and as long as you're not acting in sin, go, I th- go I, after it. I think it. part of the problem is, you know, we've, 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 we've talked about a lot of these things, but in, in the reality, I, I think part of the problem is it's simply easier to rely on a dream uh, mm-hmm. and a feeling, uh, my neighbor, uh, my best friend's advice. Uh, a palm reader, who knows what? Else. No, you laugh, but you know, no, I mean, what yes. I'm saying Crystal is, ball, it's easier. Magic eight ball. Yeah, but yeah. it's easier to yeah. do that than it actually is to consider what God's word uh, has to say. Yes. And I think that laziness, um, pragmatism, yes, um, all of these things ultimately inform why we do, well, and the fear that God's word might actually. Um, infer, imply, or directly command me mm-hmm. to do something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we, the, the, all the subjective means give me um, most of the time they really, we're not looking very hard. We have an idea and we're looking for something to substantiate that we idea. Want re- we want reassurance on what yeah, we already have really, decided. Yeah, I really want reinforcement. That's <laughs> We've right, already yeah. made a decision. Yeah. A lot right? of times that's the case and mm-hmm. we're lazy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we're, we were having a discussion pre-recording today um, about some very difficult things, yes. um, avenues in which we must think, we must consider things that could have real lasting implications on, uh, on uh, you know, if we act this way, if we do this, if we spawn this way, if this is right, if we act, it, it, could, it could have real implications on, on our lives. But most people won't ever go there and have the and take those thoughts, try to go to scripture, try to understand them because they don't suit them. They'll take the, the, the common argument. They'll take whatever the case may be, allow that to speak for them, right? Because it leaves them comfortable. It leaves them wherever they want to be instead of doing the hard work of saying, what does the scripture say? Yes, which is why I, I, I believe I originally posed this as, a lot of the times when we ask these questions of how do I know what God wants me to do here or what's the will of God in this situation for me, a lot of it really boils down to it's a self-serving question and not a God-glorifying question. We really want to be affirmed in or reinforced like what you said in what we've we've already gone there in our minds and we want justification for that. And that's what yeah. we do with, with uh, even in a broader category than even this conversation. But let's, let's wrap it up. I hope, listener, this has been a helpful conversation, and it is a conversation that we should continue having. Um, I encourage you as a listener to have this conversation with maybe a friend or a loved one and, and pour yourself into Scripture. Uh, but here are, if you're faced with a, a situation where you are looking for what to do next, what, what does God want me to do here? Um, there, there's, there are quite a few resources. One of those I think we've already mentioned is Jim Osmond's book, God Doesn't Whisper. John MacArthur has a small booklet called Found God's Will. 
there are others that we could point to, but I found a very uh, helpful summary article of, of what you'll find in these uh, resources by Greg Kokel, and it summarizes what he calls the wisdom model uh, in decision-making, Christian decision-making. We use biblical wisdom. And so he goes through this four-step uh, just advice to kind of make the decision. Now, this isn't, should I have cereal or toast for breakfast? These are these are uh, more weightier decisions. Um, I would choose to have both for breakfast. Um, that's a little bit of attempt at humor. That's because you're skinny. And I'm, I'm yes. <laughs> if I have both for breakfast, I just look at them and I get 10 pounds. I'll yeah, have both. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Pass the eggs as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but this is more for for. That's why I drank a protein drink. <laughs> and it wasn't bacon flavored. <laughs> Oh, you guys oh. crack me up. Uh, these are these are just Says four the guy helpful. Who had eggs. <laughs> four four helpful things to think through as, as you're faced with maybe more of a impactful decision in your own life. First of all, Greg says to determine um, which options you have. Okay, and at first, see if anything that you have uh, anything laid out uh, would be contrary to Scripture, um, and, and examine your goals and um, motives in, in this. So this is just broad general categories, right? Secondly, you apply wisdom gleaned from Scripture and your personal desires um, that, that, you know, all of these things have to be factored in. Examine the circumstances involved. Research facts. Do your own homework. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a job or a move or uh, we talked already about marriage, Um there are things that are going to categorically be rejected and maybe in an individual to be married, right? That'll categorically be rejected once you start <laughs> examining scripture and applying that wisdom to the person that you're considering, right? So these, this, I'm trying to help apply this. Gather information, seek counsel. That's number two. Number three, very simple. Make your decision with an attitude of humble trust if the, in the Lord and follow what Paul says, if God wills, so and so forth. And so you have all of this, um, this content from the Word of God and from wise counsel from other believers that can speak into this situation as long as it's not in sin, as long as it doesn't um, go contrary to God's Word in any way, right? You are free to choose A or B as long as those two situations are um, meet those prior criteria. And then you adjust to your new circumstances, and then you continue on with that same model of What's next? What do we do next? Jason, um, Philip, y'all have any closing words before we wrap this one up? I mean, I get the dilemma that we find ourselves in. And I think probably the three of us would would be able to testify those times when two different decisions looked equally the same and that you were using the scripture as your your guide, your um um, frame to look through and, and, and then, but you still struggle with which one do I want to do and how do I want to, to make that choice. And, and so I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I still think you just, sometimes you just have to make a decision and later on, then God seems to confirm that like you were talking earlier, Duffy off air about a decision to even come to this Yes. congregation that, that yes. God would bring you here. And and now 
it, God has just confirmed that to you, that this was the right place for you to come at this time in your life. Um, but it was a very tumultuous time for me and, and my wife. Right. We, we, it wasn't laid out for us. It wasn't, right. it wasn't, uh, I mean, that was tough. Right. So trust the scripture. It's reliable. It's helpful. I remember, you know, I, I was at a church. They were, we were doing two services. It was growing. God was blessing. And to come here, to come to Emory uh, 22 years ago, um, you know, I went to the Greenville Public Library with my Bible and just sit there and read and trying to think, which one should I do? Because they were both equally the same. Ultimately, I came here because um, my wife, I felt like that in the church that we were at, she was the little girl that had grown up in the church and, and she couldn't be mature uh, as a pastor's wife and learn unless I came here to get her away from that church. Um, it was a great church. I loved it. And it was hard to leave. But both decisions, I could have stayed there and it would have been great. Yeah. I came here and it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yes, my, my point in all that is to say, uh, if you're listening, we're not saying that you're not going to struggle and not have thoughts about yeah. what should I do? I don't, I don't imply with what I said that it'll be easy. No, that's never, never. that was never the case. Right. Right. There will be difficult decisions to be made. Philip, you got any last, last thoughts before uh, we wrap things up? Yeah. I may reference back to a book. I hadn't read the book, but I, I, by, um, um, the Presbyterian that you mentioned earlier. De Young? De Young, yeah. Uh, you know, it says just do something. Well, I, I have a I have a, a hint about what the book is saying. And here's the truth of the matter. The Bible says in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's right. And I think that's the point the book is bringing out. That's right. That's exactly Pray right. Pray about it and then do just something. Do something, yes. And, and trust that God will, uh, will guide your steps. Yes. If it's not in sin, if it doesn't violate um, some uh, distinct command, um, uh, you know, something that is prohibited or, um, or, or some clear and guiding principle in the word, pray about it and do it. And um, and move forward, do something, right? That's exactly. And so I right. think that's where I would say, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Well, thank you, guys. This has been a helpful conversation, and that wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you. Don't forget, though, before you leave, uh, take a moment to like and share um, this podcast and our others. Um, please help us get the word out. Um, we want this to be a blessing to many. And uh, also one more thing is uh, don't forget you can submit to us a question. Um, go, you can go to bbcemory.org, our church website. Click on the media tab. Scroll all the way to the bottom and there's a box that you can submit a question if you have a thought that you'd like us to address on this podcast at a future date. We hope it's been a good one for you. Pass it along and until next time, grace and peace be with you all.